0: out there in podcast land, this is Mr. Wills and I'm with my lovely partner today. Brittany. And we have a very special guest. We're actually live on location from the Living Dead Museum in the historical Monroeville Mall in Pennsylvania. And it's Monroeville, not Monroeville. And our special guest today is the one, the only, would you like to introduce yourself, sir?
1: It's Lawrence D. Vincent, but call me Larry. I'm on Facebook. I'm all over the place. Hello, how are you two?
0: Doing well, how are you?
1: Very good, very good.
0: Uh, Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I would, a full upfront disclosure is uh, Larry and I have probably been friends for, what, a decade now, would you say? Close to damn decade. Um, But Larry found out we were doing a podcast and we kind of commiserated and Larry does a lot of cool, interesting things in the George A. Romero universe. Uh, He's got his fingers in many pies and we're going to talk about a little bit of all that today. Uh, Larry, how have you been? How do you feel? How's, how's post-pandemic? We're not quite out of it yet, but how's post-pandemic life going?
1: Nothing has changed for me through the whole pandemic. I worked six days a week, and I've continued to work all through it, and I never had any changes really. Uh, the world changed, but I didn't.
0: Don't change for you. Don't change a thing for me, to quote <laughs> Limp Biscuit, covering in excess. Uh, <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. You're so you're still keeping busy. Um, many people may not know this, but I consider you the number one George A. Romero super fan. So would you, would you say that's a correct uh, description of you, or what would you? Uh,
1: I control? would agree with that, and some people would say expert on George Romero. And uh, I have a little trouble saying that, but in recent years I have changed on that uh, stance. So now I do call myself an expert from here and time to time, but let me tell you why. I attended George Romero's public funeral when he passed away, and um, of course, I was there with many other people, his family, friends, uh, including people like uh, Matt Blasey was there, Um, Michael Felscher was there, a lot of the actors from his Canadian films, which were made later in his life, and uh, I went up, and I talked to his wife, Suzanne, and his daughter, Tina, and i had t- talked to tina and told her you know i don't like to call myself an expert i know so much about your father and the movies and the locations and collectibles and the stuff and she's like you know what own it go with it if you know that much and you really are an expert you should own it so since then i'm o- more okay with calling myself an expert
0: you got the gold seal of approval from tina romero and she no is, arguments uh, here. Yeah, she <laughs> she is the progeny of uh, George. And I love Tina. Everything I've seen her on, I've uh, listened to her when she did her podcast. I listened to a few of those episodes. I love that. She was on the Garf Network. That's great. I really love she's so creative and so full of a different energy. But you can tell she brings the Romero energy in her own way. And she is definitely her uh, father's daughter. And I think she's cool. Uh, do you have any fun stories from hanging out with Tina or anything like that?
1: No, I haven't really hung out with her, per se. I got to talk to her a little bit at the funeral, and I cried to her, of course. I mean, I cried with Suzanne. It was very emotional when, uh, when George passed away. I mean, I, I couldn't help it.
0: Well, you are the expert. How long have we been without George now?
1: Um, well, he passed away in uh, July of 2017, so it's been four years. It, it feels like a decade. It, he left such a vacuum
0: I came into this world just kind of as an outsider who was luckily let in and earned my way and earned my keep. And now I'm doing this for fun with Brittany. And we've met through doing things from the Garf and going to Romero events. And he was such a large soul. I got to meet him the one time at the Evan city, um, living dead weekend. And that was the only time. And he wasn't even doing autographs. He just did it as an appearance out of the kindness of his heart, which I thought was the coolest thing. And then he did the, um, he did the induction or uh, the dedication. If you want to talk about that,
1: yeah. Uh, during the last Living Dead festival in two thousand, I believe fourteen, uh, George had attended the festival, which was put together by Gary Striner from Night of Living Dead. And uh, he came there to just say hi to the fans. He wasn't uh, contractually allowed to sign autographs, but he got to meet everybody and take photos with everybody. And he a he did a dedication to a cere- sort of a ceremony, opening up the chapel and celebrating its restoration there at the Evan City Cemetery. So that was really cool.
0: That was that was a moment in time. It was awesome, and also. That that just, once again, seals the deal of you being an expert, being there for these big moments, The his funeral, but more importantly, his dedications. And were you at the moment screening when they did uh, Night of the Living Dead?
1: Yes, I went through a lot of uh, traveling. I took a bus from uh, where I live in South Carolina, and I didn't want to spend all the time and money on, on gas and driving up and such, so I took a bus. And I met Kevin and Mandy there up, you know, Kevin and Mandy from the Live and Dead Museum. And they put on the uh, Live and Dead weekend with me and Daz. That's we're the four, the core four of us. <laughs> well, we went up there and uh, we saw the screening and it was great. Uh, it was at MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art. George was there. Rush Striner was there. Gary Striner was there. And uh, George's wife was there. And it's funny, I was watching it and I saw something, an imperfection. Let's say I've noticed this, this imperfection on a lot of Blu-rays. Once we, you've come to the Blu-ray era, coming out of VHSs and DVD. When you hit blu-ray you can see a lot of imperfections in movies that you would not have seen previously because the the resolution wasn't there so you can see things that are out of focus and so many older movies are maybe cheaply made movies so when i'm watching night of the living dead restored on the big screen i see all these out of focus shots <laughs> and i'm like oh my god this is crazy like you can see it really see it. it's glaringly glaringly obvious that there are a lot of out of, out of focus shots so at the end, George and Russ and Gary get up, and the first thing George says is, I can't believe we made a movie so out of focus, <laughs> and everybody laughed, because, I mean, I noticed it, too. You know, it's right there it's in your obvious. face. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I noticed this first, and
0: you can notice it on the DVD, but I really noticed it on Dawn of the Dead, uh, when Larry gets shot off the bike and gets mobbed by... The zombies. Yes, uh, it's very out of focus. Yes. It doesn't make me love the movie. It actually makes me love the movie even more. You know, warts and all. And back oh, yeah. then they didn't have you know digital. They're running and gunning with reels. So, I, hell, you know, to pull off what they did on night and dawn, just to name two of them. Uh, yeah, you're, you know, they're some of them have you know some shaggy dog elements to them, but they were you know independent films and they stood the test of time. And more importantly, they've created the narrative of the history of independent cinema. And that's why I think they will be love forever. And saying that on my end, I would like to hear how you first knew that you wanted to be a George Romero expert, how you fell in love with George or his work.
1: Sure. I mean, that starts and pretty much ends with Dawn of the Dead. Um, I think it may have been the first movie of his that I saw, but it could have also been Creepshow because they would have came out on cable and whatnot or in video at the same time creep show was it was in theaters in 82 and then it would have hit like cable a year later like hbo and such at the end of 83 and uh dawn of the dead was released on home video at late 83 so i could have seen them both around the same time i just don't know which was first but i have a deep love of both of them so it starts with dawn of the dead And then over the years, it just grew and grew, grew to the other movies. And and I love, you know, a majority of his films. Is there a particular
0: moment where you a scene or something where you're like, this is my guy like that? You knew that it clicked for you, that you wanted to pursue this as more than just a casual fan where you're saying, I want to go find these locations. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Or when you said, I, I need to own, you know, props or what, what pushed you over the edge into super fandom is, I guess, my question.
1: Well, um, it's because of Dawn of the Dead that I'm into all the things that I do now, such as doing location tours and collecting props and memorabilia from the films. I just always loved it. I, I watched it the first time and I remembered it. And then it was a couple years later before I saw it again. And uh, I got the video at like a local Way in uh, New Jersey where I was living as a kid. And uh, I just watched it over and over and over again. And I would go to Fangoria Conventions in New York when I was a teenager. And I got Document of the Dead there. And I watched that a million times. And I remember when the, uh, the so-called Director's Cut, which is really the, the Cannes Film Festival Cut, came out on VHS in about 1997. Had to get that. Watched it a million times. And then you mentioned, you know, what really made you start collecting and getting into it like a super fan. I would say the next event that happened is what did it. I went to the horrifying convention uh, in 2004. That was in Baltimore, Maryland, actually Hunt Valley, Maryland. And uh, it was a reunion of Day of the Dead cast members, Dawn of the Dead cast members. And it had some of the Night of Living Dead people there. And George was there as a guest. So I saw that advertised after having not really paid a lot of attention to the movies for a couple of years because I was having kids and working a lot and such. And I saw them all appearing there. So I'm like, I got to go to this. <laughs> I mean, George is going to be there. I mean, that
2: lineup, how could you not? <laughs> I
1: know. I mean, everybody was there. So I went out with my wife and we had just had our last child. She was one month old. And we brought her to the show, and it was just amazing. Everybody was so nice, and even George was just so humble and, and regular and ordinary. You know, some people who might be famous, you know, could have an attitude, or they could be full of themselves, or you know, or they could be all different ways. But George was just seemed like a regular guy. I went up and sat next to him after waiting in line to meet him for three and a half hours, and I sit down next to him, and he's right next to me, and he says, like I said to him. So, George, um, how does it feel to be beloved like this? And he's like, I can't fucking believe it. <laughs> Pardon my language. But that's what he said. I'm like, all these people all weekend long were waiting hours and hours to meet him, and that's what he says to me. Uh-huh. And then I say, okay, I had watched, of course, Document of the Dead millions of times, and at the end, during the Two Evil Eyes segment, the filming of it, he's quitting smoking. So he's, like, chewing gum, and he's playing with a yo-yo. So I say to him, George, are you... Still, do you still smoke? Have you quit smoking? He's like, no. And he sla- takes out a pack of cigarettes, slams it on the counter, and he says, "You want one?" <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, no, okay. I don't need one. Thank you, though. But uh, but he was just a regular, ordinary guy. Even even though you know a lot of people want to idolize him and you know think he's the the zombie master, the zombie <laughs> godfather, or whatever you want to call him. But he was really an ordinary person when he, it came down to it. He was just, a. he had the hustle,
0: he had the hard work, and he was really good at, and I saw this bred into his disciples, like Tom Savini, Greg Nicotero. I feel, from my eyes, my opinion, he had a good sense of networking the right people together, not finding the right people for the job, or finding the right cast of people to pull together and get the job done. And I think George was just a great um, hallmark of that, of he was just like a cornerstone of pulling together great teams like with Christine Forrest, Christine Romero, like she was on all the early films with them. Obviously later on, he hooked up with Richard Rumenstein. You had Leighton Image with uh, Marilyn Eastman, Carl Hardman. He just had, he could find talent out of everybody. Je- I can't deny the um, the Shriners or Jack Russo. He just had this gravitational pull about it. It seemed, uh, how did you transition from being a super fan after meeting George? Did that kickstart something in you saying, I want to be more involved. I don't want to just sit around and watch movies anymore. I, would, I want to get more involved hands-on with this.
1: Yes, actually, uh, that experience in that weekend, meeting him and all the actors, just made me love the movies even more. I had already loved Dawn and Night and Day in different ways, of course, because they are different, very different movies. Uh, and that's when I really started my collection. I would go on eBay daily, looking for things to buy from those favorite movies of mine like night of the living dead or dawn of the dead or day of the dead and that's when it really started that my collecting started in 2004 and and it's continued and i still look at ebay daily (laughs) daily (laughs) Mm. sometimes hourly you know whenever i get a chance and i'm always looking to add certain things to my collection and uh I've amassed quite a collection over the years, and it's just got worse and worse because that's like my personality. Once I'm into something, <laughs> I really in. get into it. I'm in, and I'm not gonna ever leave it. I'm not gonna ever uh, stop being into it. Uh, it's not gonna be a fad. I'm not gonna be into it one day and then not be into something else the next day. I um, I enjoy it and everything about you know, learning about his films, learning about the filming locations learning about the actors and learning about the collectibles and everything that's out there, all the information possible. I'm into it. A lot of people are into sports or maybe even wrestling. And you know, like, what happened to your favorite wrestler or wrestlers back in 1984 at the Pontiac Thunderdome or wherever it might have been. It's and a Silverdome. It's a whatever. You know, you know these things. People but. know about sports and their statistics and all that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about sports and wrestling. I know about horror movies and George Romero films. That's what I'm into. That's
0: awesome, and I appreciate your love for it, and that was one of the reasons I gravitated to you. Uh, what would you say your prized possession? I know you probably have a ton, but if you had to name one, if you had to narrow it down,
1: or maybe mm. top three. It would be better to say top three, because narrow it down to one, that's a little tough. It's like picking your favorite. <laughs> and d- does yeah, exactly. it change
2: once in a while? Do- do things, you know, your no, top No, I could or... get
1: something new that could, ah. you know, usurp a top position. <laughs> but um, let's say if we go with three. Um, one of my favorite items is I have one of these uh, Night of the Living Dead scrapbooks that was made by uh, Carl Hardman and Marilyn Eastman. They made them originally for the uh, Zombie Jamboree of 1993, and they feature... Reproductions of all the articles over the years involving Night of the Living Dead and, and production materials, reproductions, and uh, original photos and things from the set and behind the scenes photos and all kinds of cool stuff. And it's a really neat piece of memorabilia made by two people who were involved with the movie. So that's actually one of my favorite items. Um, also, I have a, uh, a replica of the crate from creep show the crate segment you know that's that's where fluffy is inside the crate under the stairs all those years (laughs) and uh my replica is based off measurements of greg nicotero's crate uh he got a crate an original one made for the movie uh from tom savini Mm -hmm. tom got of course after production and they traded each other for it uh greg gave tom a life-size gort from um Day the day the earth is still and Tom has it in his bedroom to this day <laughs> and uh, Good trade. And Greg got his crate. <laughs> so uh, there's a famous company that does restoration work on masks and uh, like Star Wars uh, memorabilia and, and like Rick Baker masks and, and they restore all the uh, Romero Tom Savini stuff that's out there. The company's name is Tom Spina Designs. So they went over to Greg's, got all the measurements and pictures of its crate, and they created my replica. So that's what I have. It's based off an original one. It's not like just some guy in a garage saying, hey, let's make a replica of the crate. No, this is based off one of the original ones. So it's, it's really good.
2: Did they only make one for you? Or is uh, there a couple out there?
1: They made a couple for uh, display purposes because there are collectors out there who have, say, um... The original contacts the sclera contacts that daryl ferrucci wore as fluffy and they made a display with a crate and to, a whole crate display to just put the eyes in there inside of a fluffy <laughs> this the, the person who owns it have obviously has money and is a major fan but uh they also made a replica crate for um a fluffy that they had restored too for i think the same owner uh because one of the suits was sold by tom Savini at one point and uh it needed restoration. Also the fluffy head and mask needed restoration. So they made replicas to go with both of those items. So they have the measurements and they do it. Like anybody can go uh, contact Spina Designs and say, hey, I want a replica of the crate and they'll make it for you. It's not going to be cheap, but they'll do it for you. <laughs>
2: it's a commitment.
0: Yes. Well, that's, if, so that's two. Yeah, yeah if yeah, you're a super ones. fan, you'll you'll fork up the money. Sure. I, I also know a friend of the show, Dave Birian, owns one of the original yes, crates. Yes, Dave
1: uh, has the hero crate. That was George's. It's the one you see most of the time that's bloody at the end. That's an amazing item, of course. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: and there may be photos of you on the internet inside of that crate somewhere. Is that yeah, so right? I'm inside it of it somebody. peeking out, peering out like Fluffy.
1: Yeah, I'm in there. Yeah, and Dave took photos for me. I, I mean, it was weird, but I had to. <laughs> Not now. had to do it. <laughs> great. Well, I
2: mean, you have to. Yeah.
1: Okay, so now you said yeah. three type items in my collection. Those are two. three. What would it be? What do you know that I have? You, have- I have some stuff that I've never even told people because oh. I just can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and some of those items might be some of my favorites, but let's see. God, you got me on the spot here. Give us an exclusive. Uh, <laughs> okay, I will, actually. Okay. Okay. Oh, he's convinced. Okay. <laughs> I have... Okay, I'll give you two for one. Okay, The deal. third will be two items. Okay. I have an... Original after-party invitation for the premiere of Dawn of the Dead. Wow. So they had a cocktail party after the premiere at the Gateway Theater, and they gave, gave out invitations for it. And I have one of those.
0: That's amazing.
1: And then the other one, because it's a twofer, it is a invitation to the premiere of Night Riders. That's really cool, too. Wow. Uh, wow.
2: That's wow. really neat.
1: And I can't talk I like about any around I know, I'm not, that. I wasn't going <laughs> to I have not put that information out to anywhere or anybody else except for you two. Only here at Signals
0: <laughs> from Pittsburgh. We love you, Larry. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I, so when did you step out of, when did you know you had, I don't want to say quote unquote made it, but we're getting recognized for, for your works. I remember a particular DVD box set that came out and then after I had met you and went back and watched it and I had recognized you and maybe Mr. Blasey and Mr. Birian on there. Was that one of the first brushes with greatness that you had being on a DVD extra of the Dawn of the Dead or is there something other moment?
1: The one you are referring to is probably the uh, the Dawn of the Dead Ultimate Edition in yeah. Black Case by Anchor Bay. Oh, yeah. I'm not on that.
0: I thought you were, I thought you were on that. I'm not on that. Aren't you? You, you, but you were there for that tour
1: I was not there for that tour
0: I thought you were, what did I see you on then?
2: do your research
0: okay. no, I'm just
1: we'll cut this. No, 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 do not cut anything <laughs> no, okay uh, I started getting sort of recognition because of my posts on Facebook I, mm-hmm. think, I think before anything else because I would just start all these groups for George's films and post in them daily you know Behind the scenes photos, things from my collection, things that I'm collecting. And uh, I think that's where pre- people would have probably noticed me first as far as this, you know, George Romero stuff. But then in 2012, I started working on extras for a lot of different Blu ray projects where I would share my uh, photos and scans of, you know, things from my collection. And uh, the first project I worked on was a Day of the Dead Blu ray for uh, Norman England in Japan. And, and then it just snowballed from there. Then the following year, in 2013, I worked for Michael Felsher and Red Shirt Pictures, where I contributed materials to his uh, Shout Factory Night Riders release, his, uh, the uh, Day of the Dead release, also by Shout Factory, and also the Creepshow release from... Um, was it Second Sight in the UK? I think it was, yeah. So, and then it just kept going on and on. I know I
2: own one thing with you on it. I'm like, oh yeah, Larry. Well, um, then
1: I've contributed to so many things since, oh, well, yeah, since then. <laughs> and in particular, if you want to go further, <laughs> where you can really see me interviewed is uh, the George A. Romero Between Night and Dawn set from Arrow. Mm-hmm. I it, it contains the movies Between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Those are there's always Vanilla, The Season of the Witch, and The Crazies. It omits Martin because that is owned by another company and they could not get the rights. But it is a fine set regardless. And I worked extensively on that set. I am interviewed uh, on a location segment for The Crazies where I take fans through a a nice video tour of locations from The Crazies. And uh, I also contributed extensive video galleries on that set for each of the three movies detailing my visits to the locations where I go there and I bring screen captures from the movie and I try to recreate and photograph shots of the same angles at every location, all the kinds of scenes you see in the movie. And these video galleries are extensive. They also had me put commentaries on them. Uh, I also included uh, scans and video galleries of all my collectibles from those three movies. And I'm very, very proud of that set. It's most work. As far as, you know, over the years, I went to so many different locations to get all that material together and then put it together for them. And then they didn't have any kind of input. They just let me do what I want.
2: Oh, that's I put great. it out
1: there. And they said, well, they did say, could we have a commentary for all these things? So I did that. And yeah. then I also w- uh, was able to find the 8 millimeter footage on there. That's the behind the scenes of The Crazies. That's awesome. It was filmed by um, uh, Sam Nicotero. He plays Deputy Shade in the movie. And his son, Frank, is a friend of mine. Sam passed away in 2015, I believe. And uh, his son shared with me this 8mm footage from the set of The Crazies. And this was before the set was like coming out. And I knew it was coming out. And I said, Frank, can I share this with Arrow and, and possibly get this on the set that's coming out for The Crazies? You know, this would be amazing because you see Romero there. You see them filming some of Deputy Shade's, you know, scenes and stuff. And it's really awesome. We got to get it on the set. So Frank's like, "Sure, you know, I'll, you know, give them my information." And he signed the necessary papers and got them the footage and all that. And it ends up being on the set. And I, they even asked me to do a commentary for it. So I did so much work for all three of those movies on the set that it was just amazing. It's it's the best work that I've done to date. Uh, although I I want to do more, and I'm working on stuff for a certain release from Second Sight coming up in the new year. Uh, they're doing Martin, I mean, and it should be pretty, pretty awesome.
0: Uh, Martin's my favorite non-zombie Romero. I have to, I have to make the, non- uh, the distinction of non-zombie Romero film, but I think Martin outside of Dawn of the Dead is my
1: favorite. It is really nice. good. No, no, it's a great movie. And I've contributed a lot because I have a lot of rare materials. For example, I'll tell you one of the things that I contributed uh, to the people producing the extra features on that uh, set. I have the original um, materials for the TV trailer for Martin. And in that TV trailer, you see him sitting on a set of stairs, and he's sort of narrating like what you see. And that set of stairs is actually the stairs that lead up to the roof at George's old office building, 247 Fort Pitt. Uh, so I somehow, over the years, have acquired these materials. It's the or- <laughs> I have the original negative, so there's nothing better than a negative. I also got, you know... Uh, you know, uh, I guess it's a reversal or a different, a different version, like the next step up. I'm, I'm drawing a blanket. the positive. Second. Uh, no, no, I think it was like maybe a positive or something. But uh, I have the negative for that, and I have a negative for the crazies for a trailer, and I have a bunch of cool stuff that I was able to help them out with, and they I sent off the materials, they scanned them, sent them back, so those things are going to be on there. That's awesome.
0: Uh, is that up for pre-order yet?
1: No, no, no. Um, they don't even have a date for release yet. So hopefully, it's been in the works for a few years.
0: Yeah, I've been waiting because I have the old um, Arrow uh, DVD version of it, where it was had the international. It had like an international version of it with, uh, it I think, it's slightly German? different music. And then there was, I think, it's an Italian Well, ver- the Italian version, the Italian version, version has
1: actually the the music of Goblin for yeah. one of their albums. I think it's Roller. Yeah.
0: And it's different. It's pretty cool like to watch. I mean, I love the original version best, but the Italian version was cool and different. And the, the current Arrow DVD, it was pricey for a while. I don't know if it still is, but uh, it has comes with a lot of cool box. It's got window box art and like a poster. I'm sure you probably own that one.
1: Yeah, I have all the versions of Martin that are out there. And the reason why um, any of them are kind of pricey at the moment is because that uh, they are out of print. Uh, no, cur- no company has the rights except for maybe a Japanese company put out a Blu-ray in the past year and a half or so. Mm. And it wasn't anything particularly special. It had nice packaging and it had extra lobby cards and things. Mm. It looked really nice. It had really cool stuff in it. Mm. But it was just really uh, a port over from the old, uh, I think, the HD transfer, which was released on DVD by, by Lionsgate in 2007. Oh, okay. So it wasn't anything new but it is on Blu-ray in Japan, and a nice set. But this new set coming from, uh, s- from Second Sight is going to be amazing because they're putting it out, totally remastered. It's going to be out on Blu-ray and uh, 4K UHD. It's going to have all, t- all kinds of extras. You know, It's going to be beautiful, just like the Dawn of the Dead set that they did.
0: Well, speaking of that set, and as I misremembered you being on the other one, you actually <laughs> are on the Second Sight set. That's correct.
1: Well, yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, there is a mall tour on the uh, Second site, uh, Dawn of the Dead set. It's too many hits to the head, Larry. And uh, I uh, helped out on that as sort of a, uh, a guide and a guy to uh, bounce ideas off of and make sure, uh, you know, what the guy said was correct in case they sort of screwed anything up. I mean, they didn't necessarily say anything wrong, but I was there to fact check.
0: You were the Romero, the resident Romero expert.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you owned it. And I got a credit <laughs> on that, and that was that was cool. Uh, I wish I could have done more for that set, but it was at a time where I was really busy with work and, and attending and vending at a lot of conventions, and then working on a lot of different projects, and I just didn't really have time to contribute too much to that set, but I did contribute to that, and I got a credit on it, so that was cool. That is awesome. Maybe the next release, whenever it comes out in the US, I can work on that one.
0: Well, let's hope so. Once again, we're dealing with the, not only Superfan, the expert, and that's coming straight from the... Refer- You've been knighted by the Romero family. Or the <laughs> In Romero certain family. way, yes. But speaking of the tour, Brittany, I actually mm-hmm. got to take the tour for the first time this year. Usually I was working yeah. at Living Dead Weekend and unavailable, but Brittany's been on your tour multiple times. She loves it, but I want to hear her take on it and yeah, you talk yeah. to her well, about... Well,
2: first of all, I was surprised that you had never been on it after all these years. I know you worked it, you know, but um yeah, blown away, and I'm glad that you got to go on the one with us this year. Um, yeah, I, I started coming to these pretty late into things. I think maybe 2018, 2017, 2018 were, were the first times. And we, my, my dad and I have been fans forever. Um, I was talking to you earlier. We, we came down in, I think, 2006 or 2007 when there's still a lot of stuff here in the mall. And, um, yeah, as soon as we saw on the website that there were tours, we're... Absolutely. Doesn't matter how much it is. We mm-hmm. got to do a tour that's like, you know. But hey, we our tours are lot.
1: relatively cheap compared to other tours yeah. out there.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we were never big convention people. So this was like our first experience with any type of festival convention that had to do with something so specific. So we were pumped for that. Um, we ended up coming to the Night of the Living Dead 50th anniversary one first before we came here to this one. So we did tours on both of them. And we yeah, because away. I do tours for
1: Night of the Living Dead <laughs> yeah. and The Crazies up in Evans City where they were both filmed. And I also do tours of the Monroeville Mall where Dawn of the Dead was filmed. Absolutely. And you've done both.
2: Yeah, I've done both multiple times now. Um, <laughs> we always joke that um, during the Evans City one, um, it was the 50th anniversary. you are like, we got we to go fast on this one. we got to skip a couple things this year because, the you know, you had to go downtown. And um, we're like, oh, okay, that's a bummer. And it's like three hours later, we're still going, like, what the <laughs> hell did he cut? Was three hours long. And we got caught in like an Apple festival on the bus or something that year. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, do you, can you talk a little bit more about how you've gotten to the tours?
1: Sure. Um, that, that's an interesting story. I mean, how I even got started doing them. Uh, I personally made my first visit to uh, Pittsburgh and Monroeville and the Monroeville Mall in 2008. They had a convention here called uh, Horror Hound Weekend, 2008, and it was at the Expo Mart next to the mall. And I had just become a event convention vendor in 2007, so I see that convention there at the mall. I've been a fan all my life. I need to go! <laughs> so I sign up for it. I'm a vendor there. I come out to Pittsburgh. Interesting story before we even get into why the tour started. Um, I come up there... And it was the best weekend of my life. It was also the worst Mm -hmm. for several reasons. Uh, It was the best weekend of my life because, of course, I'm visiting the mall for the first time. I'm overwhelmed. It's the mall from Dawn of the Dead. And it's amazing. I'm here. But then also during the trip, it was a bad show. I I didn't make much money, so I probably was in the red after the weekend. And I probably was, for sure, actually, because I also went up to the Night of the Living Dead Cemetery up in Evan City that weekend. And as I'm on my way up, it's Saturday evening. It's supposed to be, you know, light until like 7 or something, 7.30. On the way up, big storm starts brewing, and it's dark like an hour early. By the time I get there, after getting a flat tire on uh, the interstate,
0: <laughs> That sucks.
1: The, the, uh, the tire spun around, ripped off the back half of my bumper. So, I mean, it was <laughs> really not just bad. just a
2: flat tire. And no, not just
1: a flat tire. And I get there, and it's pouring rain, and it's dark ahead of time. So I'm like at the cemetery. I can't even take any good pictures. I got pictures from it. They're like totally in, in blackness and mm. you see drops all in the photo. I mean, like, it looks like orbs and stuff, but even though it was probably just big raindrops. And uh, it was still amazing though to be there. Some, even though bad things happened.
0: Then some crazy guy with a rock ran up to your window. and. Started <laughs> yeah,
1: ran... right. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, so, so that got me into knowing, you know, hey, the locations are out there and you can go see them and visit them. But because it was kind of a bad trip also, I didn't return to Pittsburgh until to- 2012. So that's four okay. years wow. later. But in that meantime, I went on Facebook and got on there and started connecting with fans. And I posted on there that I'm going to do a sort of informal tour. So anybody that wants to come along, come out. Come on this tour. I'm going to be there for a convention. And then the, like four days after that, uh, we're going to do a tour of all these locations. I've done all the research for months. Anybody wants to come out. We're going to have a good time. So during that trip, that's when I met for the first time, Daz from England, Daz Sergeant. He is our webmaster for living Dead weekend. And, uh, he came on the tour. He came from England just for the convention and the tour. I also met Kevin and Mandy from the living Dead museum, living Dead weekend. We are the four people that put it together they came on my tour and they did some videos and stuff and then they had a good time and we all met because of this little tour that i put together an informal one not a professional one in 2012. so then i had done so much research for that tour that i knew so much eventually i became known as the person that knows a lot about these locations and stuff and then when the Living Dead Festival stopped happening and Kevin started the Living Dead weekend in 2015, he said, Naturally, you're going to do tours, right? I said, <laughs> Sure. Yeah, okay. of course. Okay. <laughs> I've never done it before. I've no, I'm not a public speaker. I'm not a natural public speaker. Um, I'll do it. Okay, sure. So uh, I started doing tours up in Evan City at the uh, Evan City Cemetery for Night of the Living Dead and the Crazy, since they're both filmed there. And then it just snowballed each year. We kept doing that. And then in 2017, we started doing uh, shows here at Monroeville, at the Monroeville Mall. And I started doing tours for Dawn of the Dead here at the mall. And I still do do them to this day.
2: Absolutely worth it if you get a chance to go on it. You get to go into the the back rooms of the mall, boiler rooms, stairways, doors, hallways. Um, But, I mean, you as a host, you just really make it. Thank you. We love it. We will never miss
1: it. (laughs) I try to make it fun. I try to include facts and things you might not know. I try to show you the things that you would absolutely want to know because as a fan, that's what I wanted. Years ago, I saw that box set that Will thought I was on, and I see there's a tour there filmed by Greg Nicotero. And I'm like, everybody's having fun. It's at the mall. It's hosted by Ken. It's hosted by Lenny. You know, different tours going on. So
0: you're not Greg Nicotero. Shit.
1: Okay. (laughs) I thought it would be cool. I'm like, I got to go on a tour there one day. And eventually, I... Learned so much about the mall and did so much research that I became the person to do the tours, which is just
0: weird. That's my brain. You've been you become so synonymous from the tours. I'm retroactively putting you on tours that you weren't even there for. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean that's a testament to my idiocy and your legacy. So. Oh, yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> I can go with that.
0: Oh <laughs> no! Did you go? Were you at the um, Martin when they did Martin screening at the Hollywood in Dormont here in Pennsylvania? Did you come up for that? I remember. I-
1: Matt, heard about it i wasn't there
0: i remember matt blasey was there i thought you once again i'm just retroactive because you're everywhere now you're, mm. you're ubiquitous yeah. you're you're all over it if romero's things are happening larry's there <laughs> well, i larry's try involved. i
1: try but bef- back then i was only able to come come up certain times during the year um but no, no I, I
2: was there. i was gonna ask you might not have actually um in 2008 there was a zombie walk here that was huge did you come up for that or was I that a not, little too early okay no. Yeah, it was in, I think it was in October, and the Guinness Book took a picture of us and stuff. It was awesome. And nice. that was like a month after I moved here. Or it uh, might not have even been a month after I moved here. I was like, oh, hell yeah, Monroeville. Yeah, I was there once. But let me go for, to the zombie walk thing. So that yeah. was a lot of fun. Um, I was really there in cool.
1: 2008 for that Horror Hound weekend convention, and it was like maybe June 2008, and then I didn't come back for four years.
2: Okay, okay. And I so th- we missed that one.
1: I
0: think <laughs> when you came back, I had just moved here the day, like it was the week before J.C. JCPenney closed. And I remember mm. Kevin and Mandy and you and Matt Blasey. I'm not going to say yeah, anything, yeah. you know, but you guys were. We, we all were got there. in there.
1: Oh, that was amazing. Checking it out. I mean, I, I cool. love to talk about it and I talk about it on my tours too. I had visited, like I said, in 2008. So I saw J.C. Penney's in all its glory. <laughs> Escalator still there. <laughs> Elevator still yeah. there. And then I came back in 2012 and it closed that weekend. And then I came up and I didn't get a chance to go inside. And it closed its doors like that Friday night or something. And I was at a convention all weekend, so I missed it. Uh, so I didn't, at that point, slide down the escalator or do any of the cool stuff that you might want to do there. Uh, but uh, a friend said, uh, why don't you come out? We're going to be getting inside the store and, uh, like maybe uh, two weeks later or something. Uh, and they're selling the fixtures and stuff. So the store was already closed, and they're selling the fixtures to try to get rid of all the furniture and all that kind of stuff. Showcases. And uh, we went in, and uh, I was able to slide down the escalator <laughs> in full SWAT outfit. As I've built a costume just like the guys wear in Dawn of the Dead, I have a full SWAT outfit. I slid down that escalator in full SWAT outfit, <laughs> and I have it on video. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Anyway, find me on YouTube and my account. It's on. It's there. We'll put somewhere. up
0: a link in the description, so we'll get yeah, the link from Larry and,
1: and it was great. I slid down that thing like seven times. It was like a candy store. Dream come true. It was like way better
2: than my experience where I stood patiently down the elevator holding a camera to my chest, hoping not to get caught by security.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of the elevator doors, you can come see them if you come to the Living Dead Museum. Uh, You can take the tour, and there is actually an exhibit, a Don, an amazing. Donna the Dead exhibit. We'll take a couple photos, but we're not going to give everything away for free. But you got to come here and check this out in person. This I've helped with the museum in the past, and Kevin and Mandy and Larry, they all do a great job. Dave, who works the front counter. And this is the best I've ever seen this museum. They've really, I think during the lockdown, they put a lot of hard work and effort into really making did. it look great.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it looks better than ever.
0: Uh, there's a cool video that Sean Clark did. If you follow Malfunk, Malfunk Sean, he did a cool video of before they opened it to the public. But you should definitely just come here yourself. But like, I, I digress. The elevator doors, you can come see them. You can't oh, slide yeah. down. Es- so is, <laughs> in the future, maybe we can convince Kevin and Mandy to put an escalator, a, little, a mini escalator slide for the kids in here.
2: Well, yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> oh, that'd
1: be cute. <laughs> Charge what, 50 cents? 50 yeah, cents,
0: yeah, 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 whatever. whatever, whatever the going rate, whatever it would have cost in 1977 or 78. <laughs> oh. So uh, anything new, any, any exciting other places other than the museum? We love the museum, but have you been any other cool archives or, or anything <laughs> like that?
1: Any oh cool, any cool what did archivist. you say archives <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> subtle hint, hint subtle hint there uh well actually uh, yeah um i was recently able to visit the a. george a romero archival collection at the uh, university of pittsburgh i visited tw- two times this week i visited on wednesday and today today's friday and i spent uh little bit over four hours there and i saw some amazing things these were all materials from george's personal collection they were donated by his wife uh some items there were donated by his daughter tina and then a lot of production materials and things were also donated by his uh, former business partner peter Grunwald. uh so there is a lot of material there things from all throughout his life his filmmaking life i think they even have some like photos of, you know when he was, when he was in high school I mean, they have an extensive collection. And uh, I saw some really cool things like George's original uh, Image 10, you know, uh, latent image, I should say, a uh, production binder. He had things in there from Night of the Living Dead. He had things in there from There's Always Vanilla. Uh, and it, just a really cool uh, cross-section of, of materials from his career. In particular, there were a lot of scripts that you you could see that he wrote. Like a lot of people say, what happened to George in the 90s? Because he didn't really have any filmic output. The thing was that he wrote all through the 90s. And in this material at the archive, you can see he has like 125 different scripts that were never produced. He's busy. <laughs> he really was busy. He was not lazy by any means or stretch of the imagination. This man wrote and wrote and wrote and the things just fell apart. They didn't get made or, you know, you know, the story of Resident Evil where it was a go. They were gonna film it. He was gonna direct the movie Resident Evil from his script, and then at one point, the head of Constantin Films, you know, it, saw it and he didn't like it. And it was gone, done. That's Just it. one that guy quick. didn't like it. Head of the studio, canceled, done.
0: Yeah, the only the only remnants we have of anything George, other than the cool script at the archive, is the uh, Resident Evil Two trailer, the Japanese oh, yeah, one that is, right, right, yeah. and right. you can find that on YouTube. So you can, and I think uh, a little to. Uh, for when he did Bruiser, he did the Scream video for the Misfits. So right. we got to see zombies come back. So it was kind of a return to form. You know, obviously Land of the Dead, but I felt like that had a cool Resident Evil vibe to it with the, uh, with the Scream video, which is one of my sure. favorite things that he's done. But what, uh, yeah. Well, so- there's
1: one other thing I want to point out about the archive, too. Well, two more things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most interesting thing that I noticed today, okay, I don't think anybody's ever talked about this or really knows about it, In the archives today, I found a big folder of Day of the Dead materials. But here's the thing. It's not the Day of the Dead that we know. This is why it blows me away. There's so much. They really had done a lot of pre-production work on the, uh, the first, well, the version before the version we got to see. Because, you know, as you know, the story goes, when they were making day of the dead he was going to film this big script it was going to be an epic zombie movie and uh it was going to be filmed for like eight million dollars well the studio said we'll give you eight million dollars for this big script this epic script if you pare it down you know uh and make it a rated r you know it can't be rated oh it can't be unrated like dawn of the dead was or night of the living dead was we need an R rating so it can get out there to the masses because unrated films makes it a little bit more hard to get advertising and get people to come into it because they think it's like X-rated or something. Uh, so he said, I don't want to make this movie unrated. And they said, okay, if you don't want to make it uh, a rated R, we'll give you half that budget. Instead of 8000000 million, we'll give you like three and a half, and you can make an unrated film. So he had to cut the script in half, cut it down from what it was, and that's the stuff that I saw today I saw all the pre-production material up until like July or August 1984 and they started filming the film we see in like October of 1984 so they were going full tilt on his first version the big epic version and then I just can't believe how much material was there I didn't know he did so much work on that version And then at some point in probably August or so, right about there, they said, well, there's the mandate. You got to give us a rated R or we're Mm -hmm. not giving you that money. So we had to cut the script down, change the characters around, make it simpler. And that's the movie we got. And it's kind of an angry film. If you look at all his other films, it's got angry characters. They're mean, they're nasty. Uh, It's very gory, more than the other films. It's a mean film. And, And I think... He was kinda angry that he had done so much work on that previous version and I saw it today. That's what really made me drove it home to me today. There was so much work done. He had budgets worked out. He had shooting schedule worked out for that version. And then all of a sudden all that work was for nothing and he had to cut it down. And I think that probably made him angry and it came out in the script. So yeah. So all that work was for nothing.
2: Jeez, I didn't I didn't know it was that fleshed out. Yeah,
1: it really was. I saw it today. I didn't know it either until today.
0: Well, we'll schedule a, we'll schedule a time to go down and check yeah, that sure. out. Along next those
1: time. lines, anybody can go and visit the archives. What you have to do is uh, type in Google, you know, your favorite search engine was whatever that might be. <laughs> type in George Romero archive, and it'll lead you. The first thing that comes up is the George. Romero Archival Collection at the University of Pittsburgh. You go on there, the first page, all the way at the down at the bottom, it says contact Ben Rubin. He is the, uh, the guy who runs it. Ask him and make an appointment for yourselves and go visit the archive. There's a lot of cool things you can see there. You can research like the various script stages for like the dark half. They have every different version there is. There's a woman there currently researching the dark half and learning about, and maybe possibly writing a book on that. You can visit and see all this stuff yourself, and they want people to come see it. Ben told me today as I was leaving, he wants people to come see it, and I told him I would talk about it on this podcast that I was doing this evening.
0: And we're going to go down there. Maybe uh, Ben can be a future guest on the show, and I know he's doing stuff with the Garf. We love Garf, Mm -hmm. but not to to take away from the George Romero expert and knighted, knighted, might I say. (laughs) By Tina Romero. We can't I can't leave that out. That's big i never knew that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. big news. That's that's and the Day of the Dead thing I knew about, but yeah, geez, it seems like he was no, right. I was blown away right, by... right up to the finish. And line it explains
1: and... his anger too. Not just that they wanted to control him and say, Hey, you can only have this much money. Sure that might make you angry, but he really did so much work for it that that had to have figured into his anger.
0: It's it's exhausting. I think what what the mo- the film we got, I see and Day of the Dead is uh, Tom Savini's uh, magnum opus. And Tom Savini, friend of the show, we love you. Happy 75th birthday. Um, hope you're doing yeah, well. Happy
1: birthday, Tom. Uh,
0: that's his magnum opus. That's that's a crux. That's one of those quarterstones, like I was talking about, where people came together. That's Nicotero's first movie that it really worked on yeah. with J- Romero. And you can see that in The Walking Dead. Walk- to me, Walking Dead, not necessarily... Directly, not narratively, but spiritually, as a continuation of Day sure. of the Dead.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially with the nasty, the amount of gore, the <laughs> nastiness, how the it's it's an angry show.
2: Just the makeup and the props too. They just kept evolving from there. But it,
1: it, I see it like this: it, it's Day of the Dead was more real to me than like the comic book fantasy of Dawn or the more documentary approach of Night. Or Day of the Dead was like, These are people, yeah. I could imagine existing for, for real. They're gonna be nasty, they're gonna be frustrated soldiers who are like hitting on you know the, the pretty oh, yeah. scientist lady, and they're gonna be nasty and dirty, and they're gonna turn on each other. I mean, I mean, everybody turns in his movies on each other, but it just seemed more, more realistic to me how this is what it's, it would really be. And The Walking Dead really put that into perspective. It's always been about like, How do the people? react with each other how are they gonna react when you meet somebody new do you trust them do you end up killing them i mean what do you do and it's it's really just the reality of it and that's how they're really connected
0: i i yeah i was i was a big fan of the comic books and i think the first few seasons of the show walking dead are pretty pretty untouchable they did a joe bob special with the first two episodes and they had greg on there and he had some pretty great things to say about pittsburgh obviously and some insightful um the points that he made about um, growing up in Pittsburgh and being under the wing of Tom Savini and George, and I—I I think if you look at the scene in the opening of Day where they're in fl- shot in Florida, and you look at the Atlanta scene in the first, the like first and second episode of day of the dead it's like you can tell there's sure. and then there's obviously there's easter eggs that he calls out throughout but you can just that's when i got the vibe immediately it's like this is oh, yeah. like day of the dead <laughs> the tv show yeah
1: it's the continuation yeah. we won't talk about the real continuation that. <laughs> <laughs> that was going on right now over on sci-fi <laughs> We'll just uh, keep it over on sci-fi <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: so that i think we've touched pretty much everything but um let's 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 bring it down a little bit if if george george is still out there in the universe if you could say from where you started as just larry de watching dawn of the dead for the first time and creep show for the first time and being wowed to lawrence larry de george romero expert super fan knighted from Tino romero if you could say one thing to george out there what would you say
1: i'd say thank you
0: there it is. There it is. I, w- I thank you, too. Larry, I thank you. Love you, buddy. Uh, thank you for wanting to come on. Yeah. Uh, everybody, Living Dead Museum in Monroeville Mall. Check out the official George A. Romero archives uh, down at the University of Pitt. And we will have the information that you can check this out. And check out Larry online. Follow him. You want to give a shout-out to your all of your Instagram and your social media? Um, uh,
1: if you look on Instagram, I think you'll find me under Larry D. Vincent. Or DeVince on uh, Facebook, just type in Lawrence DeVincent. Um, if you go into any of the uh, pretty much uh, George Romero groups on Facebook, I run most of them. And y- you'll find me posting there all the time. You'll find my materials all over Facebook. And uh, that's where I do most of my stuff.
2: If they find you in one place, they can find you everywhere else. <laughs> right? And
0: You're if, out there. And if you hear of something George Romero going on, just look around and Larry will be there somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm all over it. Larry, I can't. I'm glad to have you as a friend. Love you, man. Thank Thanks, you. Brother,
1: love you Thanks. too. Thanks for having me.
0: Everybody out there in podcast land, stay scared. Hey.